Hi, this is Scott. I'm running solo again this week. I'm on a, uh, a work trip to Anchorage, Alaska. And I thought that I would uh, take a little time just to talk about the trip and talk about the area and the visit. So uh, I figured I would turn that into a podcast. And I know it's nowhere around the bay, quite a distance from the bay, but uh, I thought it'd be interesting anyway. So uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you like it. As I sit here in the Sheraton Anchorage Hotel in Anchorage, Alaska, on the ninth floor, November the 15th, 2018, with muted Christmas movies on the TV. It's funny, uh, it's the 15th of November and, you know, people at home on the East Coast are Well, some people complain that we get Christmas started a little too early, you know, around around home. I mean, these guys are full on into Christmas now. I mean, there's Christmas lights all over the place. I mean, Santa Claus was in uh, Bass Pro Shops the other day when I was in there. So, so there you go. They take their Christmas uh, very seriously around here, it seems. But this has been my fourth trip to uh, Anchorage. We're doing some... Uh, doing some work for the Air Force on uh, Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson, which we call Jaber, which is part of uh, the city of Anchorage here. And I've always considered myself sort of a, I don't know, a son and, you know, rum and uh, tropical island type of guy, but I've really... Uh, I've really come to appreciate, you know, the uh, where we are here, and you know, in the state of Alaska. I mean, this is the latest I've been here. Uh, the first trip I think was in September. Uh, second trip would have been earlier last year, right around. Oh, I'd say March. Yeah, probably March. Last year, and then we were, then we came back again in May. Uh, I'm sorry, this year, and then we came back again in May of this year, and then here we are in November, uh, putting this system together for the Air Force. So uh, each time I come here, I try to explore a little bit and learn a little bit more about the uh, about the area. Uh, actually, last trip we didn't really get much of a chance to do anything. We were pretty busy had some problems with the gear that we had to troubleshoot and it just it really pretty much took up all of our allotted time uh, but the time before that uh, we got a little little trip into the north Eagle River is uh, north of, uh, of Anchorage it was a nice little community uh, beautiful ride of course you know being an East Coaster mid-Atlantic type person I just look around at the mountains and the, the scenery around here and it just kind of takes my breath away anyway. Uh, especially now, where they're, oh, they're all pretty well snow-capped. They had snow here last Friday, a uh, couple inches, which is still here. Um, you know, so they're fairly well into winter. Although, you know, reading, uh, reading some... Uh, I'm looking through Wikipedia, you know, as far as the climate goes, and 
they really get the bulk of their snow, you know, more so d December, January, and February, which is pretty much, well, I guess around home, around the mid-Atlantic, it's, it's later than that, really, if you think about it. Although, evidently, we just had a pretty good snow today at home, according to what everyone's telling me, and this is November the 15th. I mean, the earliest I remember it snowing would be, I remember it snowing at Thanksgiving about, gosh, 20 or 25 years ago because we were playing uh, playing music in Newark, Delaware, at a place called the Primetime's Room, just before, uh, it, was, it was Thanksgiving weekend, I believe, actually, it might have been Friday night of Thanksgiving weekend. So this is even a week earlier than that. But anyhow, I digress. Um, so I got, you know, it, it, for one thing, it's a lot of traveling to get out here. Uh, you know, I was fairly used to, you know, back in the day when I was in the Navy, you know, stationed in Hawaii. I mean, that's a, that's a trip in itself. Of course, you know, when I was doing those trips, I was flying, you know, a 747 out of O'Hara uh, straight to uh, Honolulu. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's a fairly big airplane. It's a really big airplane, actually. Uh, now we're flying these 737s, which uh, basically flew from Baltimore to Seattle, Tacoma, SeaTac, on Monday. I left at 1.50 on Monday, uh, Eastern Standard Time, or Daylight Savings Time, East Coast. Landed uh, just about sunset in SeaTac, which was about uh, 5.30 or so, uh, West Coast time. Hopped on a, uh, an Alaskan Airlines flight from Seattle up to Anchorage, which is another just about three-hour flight. So all in all, I left at 1.50 p.m. Monday, and I arrived in Anchorage what would have been 2.20 a.m. the next day, uh, local East Coast time. So it's a it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of it's a long day, uh, and, the, and a couple of trips we've done before, we actually left on Thursday of the week and spent the night in Seattle and then flew home Saturday. Which that would have meant I flew home today or flew to Seattle today and then flew home tomorrow. But this time uh, I figured I would just fly it straight through, which gives me a day to kind of burn here in uh, in Anchorage and and really kind of get out and and explore a little bit which we did, which was very cool. And then uh, I'll hop my uh, flight at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning from Ted Stevens International Airport on Alaska Air or Airlines, I forget the flight number, but it doesn't make any difference, to Seattle. And then I get basically have about an hour and a half between flights before I gotta hop on Southwest to get back to Baltimore. So I hope this goes all fairly smoothly in baggage claims so I can collect my bags from uh, Alaska Airlines and then transfer them over to Southwest and then hop back on the plane. But we'll see how that goes tomorrow. I should land in Baltimore tomorrow night about 9, 9.30 or 9.50, somewhere like that. Uh, get home at midnight, probably, after driving up from Baltimore. Hopefully the roads are clear from all the bad weather that they've had today. But uh, as far as Alaska goes and as far as Anchorage goes, uh, Today, uh, today I took a drive south. Um, I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to set foot on a glacier, sort of a, 
check the box kind of a thing. And uh, I knew, you know, I'd, I've known there's a, a glacier about 50 miles south of here. Uh, I've just really, really never have had the time uh, to drive down there and, and seek that out. But today I did. Um, I went down to Portage, uh, Portage Glacier. Glacier. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's on Lake Portage down. Uh, I, there's not really a town close by. Uh, be honest with you, I was trying to, uh, I don't know, trying to describe geographically where it is. So you go south from uh, Anchorage, um, and you drive along the um, the Turnigan Arm. Is a body of water. Uh, Anchorage itself is, is situated on Cook Inlet, and there's two sort of bodies of water bays, I guess. Uh, you may call them a small bay, uh, Turnigan Arm to the south, and the what is it called to the north? Oh, the Nick Arm, K N I K. Um, so anyhow, you drive right along the Turnigan Arm, which is a, a, a gorgeous drive. But of all things, today we had fog. Uh, it was really foggy on the ride down. So what creates fog? It's when the air temperature and the dew, uh, the dew point collide or approach each other. And on the ride down, the car thermometer was saying it was like um, 28 or 29 outside. So obviously, it's probably the temperature of the water as well, which would create uh, fog, sea fog mostly, um, in my opinion, is what it was. But... The drive down was pretty foggy, so I didn't really didn't get to see, you know, the body of water so much. You go south by just about 50 miles, 48 miles. Uh, the Alaska Rail uh, Rail Railroad Railway runs right alongside of um, Alaska One South. Uh, the whole way down, really. Um, and you get down about 48 miles out, you take a left on the Portage Lake Road. Um, the issue there being that the uh, it's kind of closed this time of year. So I guess the big uh, glacier tour season is and somewhere in about mid-September or so. So I, I got out there, drove around, looked around a little bit. There's there's nobody out there. I mean it's it was it was fairly desolate. Um, the visitor center was closed. There was a, a a restaurant there. It was closed, and a you know a gift shop and snack bar and everything else. All that stuff's closed, and it was very very foggy. Now, for Portage Glacier, you can actually hop on a boat and and go out uh, along Lake Portage to the big glacier and get up and close and personal. Uh, that that stops running in mid September. So that wasn't an option. But there's another smaller glacier there called Byron Glacier. Uh, it was about a mile walk out to the glacier itself, so I, uh, I figured I would do that. Now, being the total East Coaster I am, I was woefully underdressed for that walk. I, basically, all I had was my winter coat. Um, it's down in a valley, which I don't think the sun really ever ever gets down into that valley. I mean, all the trees are sort of frosted, you know, with ice on them. It's actually very beautiful, 
but you can you can kind of see up the mountain where the sun hits and has as you know uh, melted the ice on the at the tree line and then from you know where the sun does not uh, hit there below all the way down in the valley it's there's they're all just frozen it's like uh, it's it's like uh, Ralphie waking up on Christmas morning you know um, on our favorite Christmas uh, Christmas Day show and looking out the window but anyhow um, I figured I came all this way I'm gonna do this so I it was only a mile hike out anyway it wasn't so bad so I, I strapped on my uh, my camera my two cell phones and started walking um, and I got half about halfway out there a nice trail it was a well-kept trail I mean it was, it was flat and you know had a uh, crossings over a couple of streams and and whatnot but you know I remember uh, somebody up here I was talking to said you know just be careful of moose and bear you know when you get out there like that and I'm thinking oh crap I mean what, what do you do what do I do you know you know what if I what if I wander across like a brown bear or something like that that something kind of crazy thing like that so I wasn't sure but you know kept on going um, and I actually I was I was doing some some filming you know on the camera at the time and just making a joke out of I kept looking behind me to make sure nothing could sneak up behind me but I was literally I was the only one out there the whole time I was there uh, I didn't see anything else move so I guess that was fortunate but the glacier itself was beautiful. I mean, you can you can tell the old ice by it has a, like a blue tint to it. Um, and there had been so when the tra- where the trailhead ends, there's it's just it's it's in the valley between you know the mountains and um, it's very very rocky. It's all uh, but but most of you know I mean most of all all of um, Alaska is you know volcanic rock or permafrost or you know something along those lines but you get it was obvious that there had been a couple of avalanches somewhere in history past you know between the trailhead and where the glacier was that you had to walk you had to walk up and along and then I'm talking big boulders too I mean you know 10 and 20 feet high you know along with the little stuff you walk on so I walked for quite a ways and got to the top of uh, got to the top of one hill and of course when you get to the top of the one hill then there's a next and a next and a next and all the uh, like, like I say there was frost on everything everything was fairly slippery so you know I was thinking that okay I'd like to really go up and set foot on this glacier because that's what I had come here to do but if I slip and fall or twist an ankle or break something, I'm totally screwed because there's no cell phone service and there's nobody else out there. So it would be a matter of hanging out for some period of time, you know, before some other person decided they were going to walk out there. So I cut it a little bit short. I didn't go all the way to the glacier. I didn't step on the glacier. Of course, I, you know, there was warning signs, you know, at the trailhead saying, you know, unless you're ex- an experienced glacier person or have the knowledge of what you're doing, you should not do that anyway because uh, there's a lot of, a lot of these glaciers have been worn through underneath from, you know, water 
traveling and you know creating pockets and all kinds of crazy stuff and people fall into these pockets and you know they're some are deep you know some are full of water you know on and on but I sure would have liked to at least you know touched it or stick, stuck my foot on it or something but I didn't do that so I guess maybe I could say I checked the box but I really didn't check the box I don't know uh, but I did walk all the way out there. It was beautiful. I had, took a bunch of pictures, took some movies. The only thing I did see was a flock of some sort of white. It was they looked like geese, but they were white uh, with a black bill. I'll have to. I should probably uh, look that up to see what they were. But uh, it was a it was a great hike out, and you know, and back. And then right when I got back to the uh, back to the car, there were three people. Uh, three more people heading out so I guess ultimately if I would have fallen and twisted something I guess I wouldn't have laid out laying out there for days or weeks or something like that but anyhow um yeah but that was good it was uh it was a bucket list thing for me and then you know the sun had come up strong by then because I had done this in the morning and um so I started heading back towards Anchorage and, you know, it was just, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, that ride along the Turnigan Arm is, uh, there was still fog over the water in, in some places, in some, in some places fairly thick, but that was a gorgeous ride. And it said that when I was, when I was looking, you know, I was, I was Googling, you know, the drive south from Anchorage and they said, you know, it's going to be, as soon as you uh, get out of, you know, Anchorage proper and you make that kind of a, long sweeping turn to the left and get down along the water then from there on down it's just it's gorgeous i mean the the mountains rise you know right from the road straight up three thousand feet or so uh beside you so uh i got some great pictures of all that stopped at a place called beluga point uh hoping maybe i could see some beluga whales however that also happens in the summertime now it happens a lot in the summertime because the whales, uh, the whales come into the Turnigan Arm to feed on the salmon run when the when the salmon are you know moving to spawn. Uh, so, uh, alas, no whales. Beautiful spot, as most everything else I saw today was. Uh, so anyhow, I came on up. Uh, there was a place. There's a place called Potter's Marsh that. Uh, you know, going down, it was still foggy. Like I say, I, I really couldn't see much, but I, I, I knew looking off to the left-hand side, there was a big open marsh, and it looked like, now I'm not sure if you call moose, multiple moose, a herd, I suppose, but it looked like a herd of moose, and I would say, when I say a herd, I would say eight or ten, so maybe that's just a family. I'm not sure, but... Uh, when I was coming back, I saw that same marsh, and I, uh, you know, I saw a, a sign, you know, an exit sign for Potter's Marsh, you know, a scenic uh, overlook and whatnot. So I pulled in, and they've done a great job. They have a really nice, uh, I would call it a boardwalk, you know, but uh, out into the marsh that you can, you can walk out to observe you know wildlife and it's it's a it's a sanctuary a wildlife sanctuary so you know there's a supposedly an abundance of wildlife just sort of roaming around freely uh moose bear oodles of birds and fish you know it's a marshland 
I didn't see anything on the walk out, uh, but it was still a bit foggy, so I didn't really see see the marsh, you know, as a whole. But interesting thing, you know, I mean, it was created when they built the uh, Alaska Railway, you know, along the uh, along the Turnigan Arm. This this was all part of the Turnigan Arm at one point, and then they sort of built this land bridge. Um, you know, connecting the two the two sides of this little portion of the bay, so they could build you know, Highway One plus the railroad down along, and uh, ultimately created this marsh. Which I guess, in the beginning, you know, we were you we were sort of or man was sort of altering nature's you know creation, which probably wasn't real good. But then, as it turns out. Um, you know, it's created this sanctuary for these animals that uh, they can come down to the lowlands to feed, graze, you know, spawn, raise their young, and then they walk back up into the mountains, you know, in the uh, during the nicer um, months, I guess, of the year, like the summertime, they head back on, on back up into the mountains. So uh, evidently it's created a, a, a nice environment or a a decent environment for the native animals around. Oh, I forgot to mention black bear and brown bear again. They're supposed to be uh, quite prevalent around here. Actually, I was reading uh, I was reading in the uh, Anchorage website that I think there's a family of 10 that actually live in town here. Uh, so you have to be really careful about your trash and you know, they uh, I guess every, uh, people that live here are, are, are well used to uh, to seeing them around uh, and you know obviously you know don't approach them and you know all that sort of thing so I did not get to see any brown bear or black bear on this trip I did see a moose this morning I was over on uh, Joint Base Elmendorf I had to go over and finish a couple, up, a, up a couple little things and turn my badge back in and uh, a moose just basically walked right out in front of me sort of like a deer do at home you know the speed limit was only like 20 I think 20 through the base right in that part anyway but uh, it sort of uh, it took me by surprise for sure because I've been looking for a moose for a while now for four trips now and haven't seen one but he or she it was just definitely a she she just came kind of walking out of the woods on the left side of the road walked right out in front of us so we had to hit the brakes and stop, let her pass by, and walked on into the woods on the right-hand side and kept going. So I got some pictures of that. Actually, it startled me so that I dropped the I was trying to get a good picture right in front of the car, but I dropped the phone two, time, two different times trying to get the thing positioned and turned on so I could get this picture. So I really didn't get a picture until the moose was crossed the road and onto the other side. But anyhow, it was a good picture. Um, but, you know, again, Anchorage, you know, the whole area is just kind of like, I've really kind of taken to it. Uh, it's got a great culture here. They got a really, I was kind of, I was reading on Wikipedia that here, as far as, it's crazy, the politics today are crazy anyway, but in the city of Anchorage, you don't run on a ticket. So uh, you just run as an individual person and you're elected as that individual person. Now, people know that you're, you know, what political party that you belong to, but you don't run 
you don't run as a Democratic um, candidate for mayor or a Republican candidate for mayor. You run as yourself, um, which I thought was kind of a, I mean, I think that's a great way to do it, actually. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it would seem to me that you wouldn't get all this, possibly wouldn't get all this, you know, these political shenanigans that go on. Uh, but I wouldn't know that for sure. I, it's my assumption. It's sort of a, uh, it's sort of a Wild West sort of a mentality up here. I mean, I, I was talking to a fellow on the airplane that lives here, flying back from, he had been in Georgia visiting family. He had come up here 25 years ago, and he said the thing about Alaska is the freedom. I mean, you really sort of once you once you get out of the city proper here in Anchorage, it's it's very much frontier type living. I mean, everybody pretty much leaves everyone alone. Uh, you not that you have to fend for yourself or anything like that, but um, there's none of this day-to-day, you know, caught in the nine-to-five sort of lifestyle that we all get sucked into this mid-Atlantic blue-collar hell, I call it, that we just work and work and work and work and work and everybody expects you to work even harder. Um, They have a different approach here. It seems it's more of a laid-back, sort of like a maybe a southern United States or even a Hawaiian feel, to be honest with you. From what I can see, um, they all—they seem to be very happy, happy living here. I mean, uh, and I guess you know, obviously that's probably a ridiculous statement to make, but I, I just—I I don't know—I I just sort of get a different vibe from talking with people that that live here and and you know how they run their day-to-day life. Um, you know, because because really, the city of Anchorage really isn't it isn't that off it isn't that old. I mean, heck, uh, Alaska's only been a state. It was the last state. So, I mean, uh, gosh, the fiftieth state. I'm trying to remember what year that would have been. Uh, Nineteen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not remembering it right now. But anyhow, you know, you read some of the history. How to? I mean, started as a tent city, you know, down here along where they were going to build the um, the railroad. The Alaska Railroad is headquartered here. here, actually right down the street from where I am, here at the Sheraton. So uh, started out as a tent city, and people kept coming and. You know, um, the military the the military came at one point, and then you know Anchorage, you know, started getting bigger. They they established uh, you know an airport here, uh, which eventually has grown into Joint Base Elmendorf uh, Richardson. Which actually, this is probably the forward deployment base for. Uh, anything that goes on in the Arctic, so their big, uh, they have a their big thing around here is Arctic Warriors um, on base. That seems to be the uh, the battle cry. Uh, so they have a lot of, you know, 
really cutting edge Air Force stuff here, some F-35s and whatnot all stationed here. And, you know, I was, I was taking some video a little while ago of, of uh, some planes doing some uh, low approaches and go-arounds and whatnot coming back in off the... Uh, off the military operating areas, from the military operating areas, so pretty cool to watch that, man. These guys are pretty much hot-footing it around here on their uh, on their really sophisticated aircraft, so uh, it's cool to watch that. And then, of course, uh, around the late 1960s, they discovered oil in Prudhoe Bay up on the northern slope. Um, so we here we're sort of so we're at 61 degrees north which is actually a little uh further north in stockholm scotland uh, and a couple of other of the colder places you would think of you know in the world um but you know the oil boom once they discovered that oil you know the oil up there the oil boom started and just like all these towns exploded in size between Anchorage and Fairbanks and, um, you know, I guess pretty much everything in between, you know, from oil workers. And then they, uh, they built the, the uh, Alaskan pipeline from the oil fields, you know, up north um, down to Prince William Sound where, you know, the crude is loaded onto, uh, you know, oil tankers. And, and brought down to the states. So I think the pipeline itself is like 800 miles long. Um, you should Google that sometime if you're interested in that kind of stuff, the technology and whatnot. Pretty interesting read um, on how they, I mean, originally they were, going to, they were going to bury the oil lines. And then at some point, one of the geologists that was working for the government said, you know, because the oil, the oil's, the oil's warm, you know, as it as it's as it moves down uh, from you know up north down to here, um, I think it's somewhere over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It's it goes through. I think they built 12 pumping stations. I think they're using four or five now. But you know, this uh, this geologist said, you know, if if you're going to bury a four foot pipe in the ground in the permafrost which is you know pretty much what they have from here up north you know it's going to melt it's going to melt the permafrost and it's just going to be mud and any kind of any kind of structural structure that support this pipe it's going to just you know sink in the mud creating faults so i don't know interesting read anyway and um so this pipeline's built above ground for 800 miles uh again a lot of work for a lot of people for quite some period of time um but actually as i'm reading the the uh the production is waning um you know as we speak so i think the peak of the oil production was back during the 80s maybe into the early 90s but it's sort of waning now they're cutting down they're they're slowing their production like i say they had 12 pumps pump pump locations at one point in time, I think they're down to four or five now. And by 2020, they may even cut that down more. So, um, you know, a part of the uh, local economy, you know, they have it set up where um, basically the federal government pays 
the state of Alaska for the use of for the oil a certain percentage of the oil and for the pipeline um, to bring it south and I believe that they they go into you know some sort of an account for the state of Alaska and then everybody that's a native Alaskan citizen ends up with some stipend in their pocket at the end of the year so kind of an interesting little tidbit there but um, all in all it's been a good visit I think this time uh, you know I actually had some time to uh, move around a little bit and see some different things so um, uh, I would highly recommend if anybody would ever have the chance to come up and visit here to do so uh, this is just one little piece of it I've seen I mean it, I'd like to get down to uh, Sewell. I'd like to get to Kodiak Island. I'd like to get to Juneau. I was actually teasing my wife the other day. She's sort of car shopping for next year. And I said, so if we bought our car in an Anchorage, then we could drive it home. And I was half teasing, but then I was half sort of serious too, because I was thinking what an adventure that would be, you know, from Alaska down across Canada and back to uh, back to Maryland. So. Uh, and, and I think that actually the last time we were here, we stopped by the Harley Davidson shop uh, with my work partner. He wanted to get a T-shirt, which all Harley Davidson guys do. And uh, I was talking to one of the salesmen, and that's that is one of the uh, that's one of the things they offer is uh, you know buy the bike here in Alaska, you know, in the early part of the spring, and then you know ride it down to the lower 48. So that would be an awesome adventure to do right there. Uh, so anyhow, just to tie this thing all together, Anchorage, Alaska, great place to uh, great place to visit. Hopefully, I'll get at least one more trip uh, back up here, maybe two if I'm really lucky. But uh, that's about it. It's getting to be what time is it? Some thirty, some thirty in the evening, and we're four hours behind East Coast time. Uh, so it's about eleven thirty. East Coast Daylight Savings Time. So uh, we're going to wrap this thing up, get it out for a podcast here in another couple of weeks. Uh, again, I understand the uh, podcast is called Around the Bay, and we're not exactly anywhere near the bay, but I thought this would be an interesting uh, conversation to have. So uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can find us on aroundthebay.us on the web or on Facebook, Around the Bay with Scott and Sharon. But uh, if you like it, uh, leave a comment or, or a suggestion or something like that. I mean, we're, all, we're sort of new at this and trying to, trying to build this up and figure this out. Uh, I'm using an app on my iPad now to do the recording, um, which, we, you know, everybody's looking for better re- uh, recording equipment and better ways to do all this. So... Uh, I'm doing that as well, so I'm trying to figure all this out. So, uh, again, appreciate you tuning in. Thanks a whole bunch, and we'll see you for the next podcast.